Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome into episode 167 of the Tech Sideline podcast, originating from TSL's high-tech studios in the Virginia Tech Corporate Research Center. On today's show, we have seven Virginia Tech sports to discuss as there is so much to get through as we go around the horn. We'll talk about number four, Virginia Tech Wrestling, winning the ACC Dual Meet Championship on Friday. Number 18, Virginia Tech Men's Basketball being postponed against Louisville and North Carolina, what it means for the schedule moving forward. Spring sports have gotten underway. Softball ranked 14th in the country. Lacrosse ranked 18th in the country. Big starts to their seasons. And in honor of Valentine's Day on Sunday, what hokey moment do you love the most? Episode 167 of the Tech Sideline Podcast gets started right now. Whether you are watching live or archived on YouTube, listening on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or on Stitcher, we're so glad you could join us as we record on Monday morning, February 15th. Our crew today, as always, to my left, we have our managing editor, Chris Coleman, across the way, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart. To my right, the best podcast producer in the land. He is Malcolm Stewart, and I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes. It truly is great to have all of you with us. If you have a question for Will or Chris, it could be on any sport. We're talking about seven of them today. Be sure to drop it in the YouTube live chat. We'll get to those at the end of the show. Or if you want to participate in a segment we're going to do at the end, because it was Valentine's Day. Hope everyone had a great Valentine's Day on Sunday. What hokey moment... Do you love the most? I asked that on Twitter and the message boards. I've asked Will and Chris that. We'll get to those at the end of the show. If you want to put that in the YouTube live chat, we'll read those when we get to that segment. Now, wait a minute. Does it have to be sports-related? I was thinking that, but I also think it's totally open. It could be a Virginia Tech moment. I mean, what moment do you love the most? Somebody's going to chime in with, I asked my my girlfriend to marry me at the War Memorial, you know, something like that. Virginia Tech's Instagram stories were actually doing hokey love, like stories who met right, on campus right. the other day um, over the weekend on Instagram. So feel free to chime in sports-related or non-sports-related. The Tech Sideline podcast is presented by Anytime Fitness. You know, each new member gets a free fitness consultation and a program is designed. You can sign up for a dollar for the first billing period. Call 540-951-1340. Again, that's 540-951-1340. Ask for Tyler and tell him the Tech Sideline sent you. Tech Sideline podcast also presented by Campus Emporium as well as the Southeast Regional Training Center. Go to southeastrtc.com to get involved and support Virginia Tech Wrestling today. And it's great to have everybody with us on this dreary and kind of yucky day outside in Blacksburg. It's just above freezing. 
It's dark, it's rainy, it's cold. It's kind of that typical February day, right? Yeah. Uh, I think some people call it Bleaksburg when it's like this, right? Man, it's it's bad. It's like the clouds. It's not fog. The clouds have descended and oh, rested. Oh, you're living inside a cloud. Rested right on top of Blacksburg. Yep. You know, you, you guys, I mean, if you, if you went here, you know what we're talking about. That's what's going on outside today. Also, if you're watching live or archives on YouTube, Will, and you're enjoying the show, what, sh- what should you do right now if you're watching the show? Click like and subscribe and click the little bell so you get notifications when we post a video. There you have it. Please hit the like and subscribe button. We appreciate everybody's support that's watching the show. On now, they YouTube. don't have a love button, so it's just got to be the like button. We'll but take the thumbs up. It's okay. We know how you feel. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what a busy show we have today doing prep for this last night. And there's just been a lot of news going on. We're officially in crossover season, which means winter sports collides with spring sports. But then men's and women's soccer and volleyball is about to start their spring season because of covid things got shuffled around and so there's going to be over 10 sports going at once here shortly so it's a busy time in virginia tech athletics right now and we are understaffed to cover them all so please don't climb up our backs if we're not covering all 10 (laughs) well listen we've got a lot to get to we're going to spend a lot of time talking about 18th ranked men's basketball having their last three games postponed due to COVID-19 and what it means for the program. We will talk about Virginia Tech football and a new quarterback recruit that they picked up in Devin Farrell. We'll also talk about spring sports. But we begin episode 167 of the Tech Sideline Podcast talking about an ACC championship. That is the lead. That is the highlight from this past week. And it's fourth-ranked Virginia Tech wrestling capping off an undefeated regular season and winning the ACC dual meet championship, their first since 2017. The Hokies beat 16th-ranked Pittsburgh 27-12 on Friday inside of Castle Coliseum while not wrestling all of their starters. Will the Hokies finish the regular season 9-0? It's just the seventh time in program history the Hokies have finished the regular season unbeaten. It's the first time since 1954. They won. No, wait a minute. It's 1956-57 going undefeated. It's the most wins beating out the 19, I think, 53-54 team, which went 8-0. Yep. No, you're right. That's uh, And they won eight. And this is the most wins a Virginia Tech team has had while going undefeated. Correct. With nine wins. Yeah. Uh, and that was in our TechSideline.com article, which is available on the website right now. So I, the story of this match on Friday, however, the duel, was that Makai Lewis had his 27-match winning streak snap, an injury forfeit. That's the story, and I want to get to that in just a moment. But if we can talk about the season as a whole for just a moment, Will, to win the dual meet championship, to run the table, just how impressive was this regular season for Virginia Tech? I... uh I think it was really impressive because what I keep going back to is that they, out of the 10 weight classes, they start five freshmen, correct? Um, two or three of them are red shirts, and, and I think maybe a couple of them are true freshmen. So to win an ACC championship when you are that young. Um, now, so help me out here, Evan. How many of them are seniors? Is Corbin Myers? He's a six-year. Yep, so he's a graduate at 133. Uh, John Borst, they honored him on senior night okay, on okay. Friday. He was at heavyweight. and But they've got Hunter Katka to, to fill in if, if Borst doesn't come back. Borst did year. not wrestle on Friday. 
to my knowledge, as I'm running through this in my head, those are the only two seniors. And again, they could come back if they wanted. But those... Um, How many degrees can you get, Corbin Cor- Myers? <laughs> that's, um, that's a lot of Myers school. was honored on senior night as yeah. well as Borst. So if that's yeah. any indication. So, and, and it's not... They're young and, and you, to give an example of the depth that, that Tony's been building, you know, and that, that's what's really exciting about all this. Joey Prada, who was the starter at 125 last year, subbed in Friday night at 133 and won. You know, so it, Up it's... Up a weight class, which is hard to do. Right. You know, and, and so uh, I just I just really like where the program is right now. You know, if, if you had asked me before the season, if you told me, you know, how many freshmen they were going to be wrestling and asked me, you think they'll win the dual meet championship, I'd have been like, eh, you know, probably not this year. So I'd call them a little bit ahead of schedule. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, T- Tony might not want me to say that, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get to Makai Lewis in just a moment because that is unfortunately kind yeah. of the headline. It kind of clouded over winning the ACC Dual Meet Championship. But Chris, I want to ask you this question. I was listening to uh, Rock Harrison, who I think is kind of like a celebrity right now in Virginia Tech Athletics. No after his got a Twitter account. He did. He did. Yeah. He's got a bunch of followers on it too. Yeah, that happened fast. Um, and they had him on Packer and Durham on the ACC Network on Friday. And I was listening to his his interview, and they were just talking about these Friday night duels and how they market it. I mean, do you think that over the last two years and Makai winning a national title and Latona doing what he did last week, I mean, that the average Virginia Tech fan is starting to pay more attention to Hokies wrestling? Oh, I, w- I would certainly think so. Even if they don't watch, I think they uh, there are more that are aware that, A, we had a wrestling match tonight. Let me go check and see the score and see see how, see how we did. Um, I... Uh, so like at two thirty on Saturday in the afternoon, my power went out. So a couple hours later, I decided to go downtown because it was starting to get cold and dark in my house, you know. So I went down to Champs to watch the UVA UNC game, but before that game came on, they were they were replaying the Tech Pit wrestling match on the ACC network, and, and nice. it was, so it was on in Champs. So I watched one match, which of course was the last one that, that Tech lost. Um, yeah, so I'm, 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 I'm a bad jinx. <laughs> Just like I jinxed the basketball team on my Friday Q and A about the program getting shut down. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Go ahead, knock but, on wood, yeah, Chris. Just uh, uh, but anyway, uh, yeah. But there, there were a few people. I would not going to say watching it, but like watching it out of the corner of their eye. Right. I, I would say. Um. So yeah, I mean, uh, I think the more successful you are, you're going to continue to add to the fan base, especially if you know if you can have a guy like Makai Lewis who can win a national championship as he's done. You have an undefeated regular season, and if you start to make noise on the national level, then people will pay more and more attention. Well, it's funny the 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 moments that define a program. Um, certainly, Makai winning a national championship, and then for me, um, you know, there wasn't a lot of focus on Virginia Tech wrestling last year because Makai redshirted to, you know, he took an Olympic red shirt and it was kind of a transition year for the program and you just, you knew they weren't going to be as good as they were going to be in the future. So I thought last year was kind of, uh, you know, kind of a transitional year. And then this year, you know, the, the big dual meet win over NC State and the drama of that and all the attention that got and, and Rock Harrison's theatrics, you know, and, and, Two and and it's just 
Is Thing, this, things happen that cause a program to take off. Isn't this Makai Lewis's fourth year in the program, technically? Yes, because he redshirted, and then he wrestled he as a redshirt freshman, then he took the Olympic redshirt, and now he is... So uh, technically he's a redshirt sophomore. He's correct. a fourth-year redshirt sophomore. He could be a fifth-year redshirt sophomore if he wanted If he wanted n- to. Next year, right? Um, so the, the, you're talking about a guy who could be a seventh-year senior one day if he wanted to. If you had the over-under of 15 and a half minutes that the word redshirt would be brought up on episode 167 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, the under wins today. Um, so the story, however, of Friday night's 27-12 win over 16th-ranked Pittsburgh is the fact that number one Makai Lewis, who has not lost in a Virginia Tech singlet since his first career match with Virginia Tech on, in 2018, <coughs> suffered uh, an injury against Jake Wenzel, who was last year's ACC champion at 165 while Makai was well, away. Was and Wenzel did have riding time. He had a lead in the second period when Makai Lewis got hurt, but the injury forfeit automatically gave him the win. Will, you watched the duel on Friday. How serious did it look, and how concerned are you just as a wrestling viewer about Makai Lewis and what the next couple of weeks might look like for him. It, it, it looked pretty serious, and, and I've, I've reached out to someone in the uh, program, and they don't really want to say yet. I think they're probably going to look at him today in, in some sort of detail and, and try to figure things out. What what type of injury was it? Like, it was – so it, it was the shoulder, but it was the lower part of the shoulder, like right in here. Um, so they might do like an MRI or something today. Maybe. Some, something like that. Uh, uh, so so Makai had won 27 in a row, and the remarkable thing about that streak is for the first 25 or so of those, he hadn't even suffered a takedown, and he was truly dominant. And then against NC State, when he was wrestling – excuse me, UNC, he was wrestling Kennedy Monday. Correct. Monday registered a takedown on him. It was a 3-2 uh, final score, too. 4-3, uh, I think. Four, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. One point. Um, so, and then against NC State, he was fine. But but watching Makai this year, um, it, my impression of him is and, – and, and we'll get to the, the details of Friday night here in a second. My impression of him is that that he's, he's piling up a few points early and then just kind of making it through the second and third periods. Um, and not allowing the other guy to, to come back. So he, he has not been as dominant. Then he gets taken down by Kennedy Monday. Um, and then Friday night before he even got his shoulder hurt, it was very alarming to watch him. Um, Jake Wenzel. Wenzel got um, Makai's leg up in the air, which happens to Makai a lot. I mean, you saw it during his uh, national championship win where uh, – who who was that? Who was uh who was the guy who wrestled from? I believe it was Divincenzo. Divincenzo, yes. Um, Divincenzo got Makai's leg in the air, and he's very hard to take down from that position. Even, but Wenzel had it at his waist, with about a minute forty to go in the period. About twenty seconds later, jacked the leg up to his shoulder, and then about twenty seconds after that, jacked the leg way up in the air, to where Makai was almost doing a split in the air so you know i'm texting back and forth with my my buddy and go oh oh man that's oh just don't hurt him don't hurt him and then later on he gets hurt in the shoulder um it looked you know it's it's hard to say it looked pretty serious um he uh tried to go john borst style and uh got taken down uh got 
ridden down to the mat, not taken down, but ridden down, and you could hear him crying, crying out in pain once he hit the mat. And, you know, so it's very concerning. And uh, uh, they, so they take him out. And, if it's down and, here, it could even be like a peck. I know, but yeah. yeah. Um, and I didn't quite see the move that really made it happen. You know, yeah. you could see when he got hurt, but I, I'm not sure exactly what made it happen. Um, so I started looking at the schedule. And the ACC championship is two weeks from now on Sunday, uh, 13 days from now. So 16 days out from the injury. The NCAAs start 34 days out from the injury. And from what I believe the discussion on the wrestling board was that you do have to wrestle in your conference tournament. In an, in an ordinary year, and the NCAA may have even said this this year, you have to wrestle in your conference tournament to wrestle in the NCAAs. So he could even be an entry in his weight class forfeit, and that counts mm. at the ACC tournament. It just lessens your chance of winning the ACC. Well, yeah. you don't have anybody to wrestle at that weight class. Correct. Particularly right. the number one wrestler in the country. Or right. ranked, well, ranked and his, his seeding, because of the loss to Wenzel A, because it is technically a loss because of the injury forfeit, and then if you were to forfeit, now, you know, NCAA Tournament Committee of Men's Basketball, I think, certainly took into effect when J-Rob got hurt, right? Yes, I mean, correct. they took that into effect, and I'm sure the seeding, you know, would, would would take everything into effect. But it certainly means he probably would not be the number one seed right. if he can't wrestle the ACs. So, Virginia Tech, man. Even when we go undefeated, something like this happens. I, I know. It, it, I texted my buddy. I said, that ruined my huh. night. And, and it's a shame that they're winning the dual meet championship, their first one in four years. They had a three-peat in 20... 15, 15, 17. Right, 14, 15, 16 was when the season started because they, you know, 15, 16, 17. And then, and then this is their first one in, in, in four years. And, you know, it's, it's the celebration is dampened by the yeah. fact that, you know, argu arguably your best wrestler could be out. Well, the ACC Championships, as you mentioned, coming up next weekend, it's hosted by North Carolina State. Two weekends. Is it two weekends? Okay. Yeah. So February 20. 8th? Yes, February 28th. February 28th. That's a Sunday, last day of February. And the Hokies, I think, have, I was doing the math, about five wrestlers that could win ACC championships, and that's including yeah. Makai if he's healthy. You've got Latona at 25, and gosh, who wouldn't love great television of him wrestling Jacob Camacho. Macho Camacho. <laughs> My, you know what's funny, too, is it get, for Pittsburgh, he wrestled a guy, last name Camacho, right. no relation to that Camacho. You're kidding. I mean, what are the odds of that? Back-to-back -back weeks? I mean, yeah, that, that was, was interesting, interesting, wasn't it? Yeah. But you've got Latona, who I would assume is going to be the number one seed at the ACCs because he beat Camacho. You've got uh, Myers at 133, and that was one of the disappointing parts of the duel on Friday, Will, was your wrestling. That was going to be the best matchup. Mickey Philippi, uh, or Philippi, excuse me, his only loss in his career, I believe, in ACCs was to Corbin Myers. Yeah, Corbin who, Myers is 1-3 and three against uh, Philippi or Philippi, however you and, and he And uh, he, I believe Mickey beat him twice in a state championship in Pennsylvania, so they go way back. Yeah. So that's going to be fun. They did not, both coaches, I guess, agreed. They didn't want him to wrestle in the regular season because they're going to see each other in two weeks. So you've got that at 133. He's got a shot to win that. You've got Makai at 165, obviously. Bolin at 184. And then, you know, if John Borst is able to wrestle, and we don't know, again, he got hurt against yeah. NC State, but if he wrestles, he's got a chance yeah. to win it. So it's exciting. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. And Tech has a chance to win the ACC dual meet uh, title and then the ACC championship as well. So, so I, I thought one more highlight about Friday was watching Dakota Howard wrestle the after, the, dog. after the Makai Lewis injury. Um, D Dakota, 
if, if you look for whatever wrestle stats worth wrestle stat is just a computer model that ranks wrestlers based on results and then predicts what will happen and i don't remember who dakota howard was wrestling uh mcgill jared mcgill i think his first name is jared um that that's a pretty even matchup you know neither neither guy is a ranked wrestler but it, it was predicted to be a, a close decision and dakota just annihilated him um it was, I think, 6-2 at six two or something like that at the end of the first period. Dakota scored 16 points in the last minute 40. Mm-hmm. Um, he got to the point where um, it's just – I've seen wrestlers that were overmatched just get buried by the other guy. Dakota was taking him down, letting him back up, taking him down, letting him back up, taking him – and he got two near falls in that whole process. It was just dominant. And then he didn't even stay to celebrate his win. He just – he waved to the crowd and ran off into the tunnel to go see Makai. And that was that was just a remarkable moment to watch Dakota just demolish yeah. Miguel. He is a uh, fan favorite, Dakota Howard. I mean yeah. when he when he wrestled, he, he he is he is fun to watch. So. And I think he's just a sophomore, so he's got a couple years left. Again, he came in, I want to say at like one ninety five, around two hundred, and then he's dropped down two weight classes to seventy four. Yeah. I mean, so um, he's certainly a team guy. There's there's no doubt about that. Yeah. So, um, all right. Well, that's the news. Number four, Virginia Tech wrestling, despite the injury from Makai Lewis, uh, wins 27-12 over 16th ranked Pittsburgh. They are the 2021 ACC dual meet champions, and they finish the regular season nine and zero. All right, let's transition and talk about 18th ranked Virginia Tech men's basketball. We did a podcast last Monday, February 8th, and. Since the last podcast we have done, Virginia Tech men's basketball has not played a game. The Hokies had their game last Tuesday, of course, postponed against Florida State due to COVID in the Seminoles program. Then on Saturday, we talked about it last week. We didn't know if the game was going to be played. Their head coach, Chris Mack, tested positive. They had missed three games, Louisville, and then the Cardinals unable to play on Saturday. And then Saturday night, we uh, find out that there is COVID inside of Virginia Tech's program, and their game on Tuesday at North Carolina is postponed. That was the only game that was mentioned in the press release was Tuesday's game at North Carolina. The Hokies are next scheduled to play Saturday at Florida State. So, Chris, now three games postponed due to COVID, and let's just say the Hokies are able to play this Saturday. That'll be two weeks since yeah. their last game. Just take me through your thought process on just this unfortunate situation the Hokies are in right now. Missing games but still being able to practice is not ideal, but for the simple fact that you're still able to practice, you can still stay in basketball shape and keep yourself sharp and things like that. But when you when the program gets shut down, which I assume it's shut down now? You know, that, that has not been made clear. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean – I figure, like, if you can't play a game, because then you can't practice either. Yeah, the the I believe the press release said a positive test, singular, mm-hmm. and okay. contact tracing. And contact right. Yeah. So, so how many players I, did it take out? How many coaches did it take out? Are they still able to practice at all? I we doubt it. Yeah. Right. Uh, but, and if you can't play a game, that means you have, you got to have like, I don't know. That means it took out most of them, yeah. right? Because as Boston College was, was, <laughs> was willing to play Florida State for like six players. Four scholarship, four scholarship players, players and players, walk-ons. Right? Yeah. right. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure that it seems like that took out most of Tech's team. So, I'm going to assume they can't practice right now. So, yeah, uh, the program shut down. And 
when if they do play Florida State this weekend, I think that'll be Florida State's third game back. Uh, so Florida State will just be getting back into the groove of things, and Virginia Tech will be playing their first game in two weeks without having been able to practice for a week. Now, here's the thing: this, this I don't I don't expect Tech to play Florida State. Um, yeah, I don't either. We don't know what the testing date was, and and I don't know if like the the positive test remember in football season the positive test was 10 days and contact tracing was 14 days i don't know if those numbers have been amended any now with more research and more data and everything i have no idea but if those tests took place on friday and somebody tested positive on friday it would depend on when they contract contracted it i guess whether it's 10 days or not i don't know but I'm guessing they don't play Florida State, and even if they do, they will have not had enough practice, sufficient practice time to make that competitive. Yeah, that would be, I, I that would would... be extremely difficult. But at the same time, you feel like if you can play it, you need to go ahead and play it so you don't miss any more time. So you do get back up and running. You know, So you get a game under your belt, even if it's a bad game, before you get down the stretch run. So, yeah, it's it's tough. Um so what what I would tell Virginia Tech basketball fans is uh, Tech's played 18 games, and I would say that particularly the first few games back, I think what you see will bear very little resemblance to the first 18 games. Reset your expectations to, uh, back to I, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, so, you know, here's a stat. Let's say they do play Saturday. Florida State has won 23 straight home games. I think it's the second longest streak in the uh, – um, country. That sounds about right. Now, uh, this is not relevant to – it may or may not be relevant to playing at Florida State, but they've also won 11 straight overtime games, which is a division, hmm. the Division One record for most consecutive That including overtime. the ACC tournament against Virginia Tech and Buzz's final year and that crazy shot. I'll never forget that. At I'm least sorry. one crazy shot. I, just, I can't yeah. – st- there are games that I hate to play. I hate to lose to Miami in basketball. I hate to play Florida State in basketball. I just hate – Florida State – will go out and, and, and poop on the carpet against some mediocre teams. They're, they're a very talented team. I, I, I have a lot of respect for their program. But they'll put in mediocre games, and but they just don't seem to do it against Virginia Tech. I remember maybe one game in Castle a few years ago where they just played poorly. But for the most part, yeah. they bring their A game against We, we beat them Tech. once. Uh, I think it was the year Tech made the NIT. They beat them in Castle, and then they beat them again in the ACC tournament. I think we beat hmm. them twice that year. Well, you can't beat them in Tallahassee. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, not we, many, not many nev- teams can. We nev- we've never beat them in Tallahassee since we joined the ACC. So yeah. I guess you've got to go all the wow. way back to the Metro Conference days. Maybe. I, 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 guess, I, guess, I guess it doesn't go all the way back to the Henson Heave, but sometime in the 80s, mm, I guess, yeah, well, probably. We, we can yeah. go look it up. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's almost it, – playing Florida State in Tallahassee is as frustrating as playing Louisville at all. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just feel like the odds are against you. Yeah, so whether – even if Tech was at full strength, you know, that was going to be a difficult game to win. Now, that being said, Tech is a bigger team now than they have been, than mm-hmm. they were under Buzz. Yeah. Uh, they have a better chance of matching Florida State in the paint now than they did during the Buzz-Williams Like years. ever, yeah. Right, right. But now if if it, the game does get played, Tech is possibly is under strength and they will not have had enough preparation time for it, in my opinion. So – 
But like I said, I feel like you've got to play it if you can right. just to get back in the swing of things. So I, I wouldn't go into that game with any expectation. You wrote an article on this last week, Chris, and we talked about it on the podcast last week, but I do think it's worth bringing it back up. Virginia Tech, right now, they're ranked 18th in the country. They have a record of... Fourteen and four. Fourteen and four. They're eight and three in the ACC. Nine and one at home. Three and three on the road. Quadrant. They have a couple of really good quadrant one wins. You look at their resume. I mean, how much does this hurt? Oh, I, sus- I suspect Tech is going to go to the NCAA tournament either way. It's, it's yeah, just... Joey Brackets has him as a six seed. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so hard for me to. I don't even know how bracketologists do it because you don't know exactly what the what the committee is thinking. Like, once some teams are going to end up playing like six games fewer than other teams, and yeah. how do you take that into account for seeding and things like that? So, I, I don't. I, I, what we're comparing Virginia Tech to this year is different than in normal years. So I don't. I don't know what to expect, but I, I do. I think it would. I think they'd have to lose out, basically, to not make the NCAA Let me say this, resume-wise, I was listening to Packer Durham last week. They had them at a 1.04, and I think that was updated from Joey Bright. You're right on well, yeah, being the six. But are they going to drop significantly? Are they going to go from someone that could be a four to a six I, to a eight or a nine, potentially, well, because of losing games against Florida State, maybe twice, North Carolina? How much does that hurt, do you think? I don't think losing uh, – and by and by losing, you mean not playing. I'm sorry, not playing, right, exactly. Right, not right. losing, not playing. Uh, I don't think it hurts them um, from a, from a not playing standpoint. Um, you like if you flip a coin, if 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 you play the game with math, the math suggests Virginia Tech would lose both of those games. Yeah, if they were played. Um, the, the, so I don't think it hurts them from that standpoint. Uh, it hurts them because if they're just not playing, they they get out of the routine, and now I assume they're not practicing. So when they come back and when they do play their next winnable game, whenever that is, probably Georgia not, Tech next year. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, they're not going to be in any sort of a rhythm at all. Yeah, they they have Georgia Tech, and then I think they're at Wake Forest. Does that sound right? Oh, no, they've Wake. already played it. Is it the other way so, around? Uh, so. Let me read off the schedule real quick. Home, at Florida State this Saturday, home against Georgia Tech next Tuesday, home against Wake Forest next Saturday, home against Louisville March third, and then. At North Carolina State, March six to close the regular season, assuming none of the postponements get made up. So, so I think I think the Wake, Georgia Tech, and NC State games probably two out of three. Of, you of can beat Louisville. Louisville, I know Louisville they can beat Louisville. Wouldn't that be nice to just finally put the just Louisville? Sweep, well, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that just to sweep them all and go eighteen and four and twelve <laughs> and three in the conference. So, but you know, but yeah, but so I don't know. I, I think the difficult thing is not not playing the games from a from a record standpoint the difficult thing is you're not playing so you get out of rhythm you if you're and if you're not practicing maybe you get out of basketball shape a little bit and and you just lose that step right 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 um i I don't pretend to know how what it's been like for every single team when they've shut their program down i know florida state it was their first game back this past week against Wake, and they were fortunate to get past Wake. I think so. Yeah. That, that was and that was at Florida State too, and it went to overtime. Mm-hmm. Right, normally you'd expect Florida State to win that game by about twenty. Clemson was looking like the ACC's best team, and then their program shut down, and they came back, and they were awful. So, when your program gets shut down, it's tough, man. Everybody else is moving forward. Like Duke's got a losing record, right? Or are they eight and eight now? Uh, they won. They're back to 500. Okay, they're Beat back North to Carolina State over the weekend. Well, you know, and that's what happens when you shut down your program for a month and everybody else is practicing. Yeah. 
right? So tech's not going to be shut down for a month, we hope. Yeah. But it sounds like they're going to be shut down for a week Again, or the w- better part of a week, and that's not going to help matters. If there is any silver lining, I guess, from this, obviously a, a, an unfortunate situation is that sometimes when these postponements come out, these teams are saying we're out three games, right? right. And the thing in the release on Saturday was just one game, right? So, yeah. I mean, it, it, you can read into that however you want, but – um, it could it could be worse, and so um, hopefully everybody's okay. But and and you wrote about it, and I didn't want to say it on the podcast because I didn't want to be the guy who said something that was jinxed, and then I get clipped on YouTube, and then it's like, hey, look what they said. <laughs> but I mean, a, a remarkable job up to this point, though. I mean, by Virginia, and, and it's nobody's fault. I mean, but it just the discipline to you know to go this long. I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough to do. I can only imagine how hard it is on those players and coaches and. You know, it's just. Uh, well, I'll tell, well, I'll tell you what, man. When I uh, when I had nothing to do on Saturday, and I, I couldn't take sitting around. No, granted, it was cold because I had no heat. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I couldn't take sitting around for two and a half hours uh, with with nothing to do. I was reading, but then it got dark, and I'd almost burn my candles out at that point. So. So I went downtown, right? So that's technically a lack of discipline on my part, right? I should have sat home and froze to death, but I didn't. So yeah, so, I mean, some of these dudes, it's 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 gonna happen. Yep. It's gonna happen. It's uh, it's it's gonna be. I know you get to this point in the season and it hasn't happened yet, and you're like, oh man, maybe it's not gonna happen, and and then it does. And I but I swear I jinxed it on Friday. Uh, I, I literally crossed out that section of my article where you could still read it, but I crossed it out as like a, uh, and I, I think I even called it uh, uh, an anti-jinx or something yeah, like that. Yeah, an anti-jinx, that's yeah, right. An anti-jinx that. method, and then boom, didn't, didn't work. Um, well, again, that's uh, <laughs> that's the news. And if they're able to play on Saturday, it'll be two weeks since their last win, their last game, and that was an overtime win in Coral Cable's. Uh, against Miami. That's all of the men's basketball news that we have. But there is football news because we we teed it up at the beginning of the show. We're going to talk about seven sports today. So wrestling, check. Men's basketball, check. Let's talk a little Virginia Tech football for a moment. Uh, And that is uh, there's a new quarterback commitment. Uh, The low news of the week in Virginia Tech football is that three-star quarterback Devin Farrell has committed to Virginia Tech. He's in the class of 2022 Six foot, hundred ninety-two pound quarterback. He uh, attends Milton High School in Alpharetta, Georgia. Chris, we talked before the show. You said you got to watch some tape on him. Yeah. What do you like about three-star quarterback Devin Farrell? He's a natural quarterback. He always keeps his eyes downfield, even when he's scrambling. Uh, seems to Milton's a a really really good seven A school, I believe in I think Georgia. So, yeah. there, there's like three counties right around Atlanta, like Cobb County, Gwinnett County. And it's always a team from one of those counties that wins, like, the, the state championship, especially, like, the 7A state championship in, in Georgia. And, you know, he plays for one of those one of those power Georgia programs, so he plays elite competition for high school night in and night out. And that's what I really like about him. Um, I uh, Some people might look at the 6-foot, 192-pound listing and get worried. Uh, there's no reason to – no reason to worry, but there's also no reason to say, oh, it's no big deal. We just don't know because our the, these guys get measured and stuff at camps and, and recruiting circuit events and things like that. There hasn't been one of those. These guys haven't been to one of those since 
the summer of 2019 now. So that listed weight on 247 just could, easily could have been his his weight from 18 months ago. Could could right? be what or he has on his months. huddle video. It could, it could be anything. Right, right. So, uh, and we won't know a lot of these legitimate height, heights and weights until camps reopen and things like that, which goodness knows if that'll happen this summer or not. Uh, so I don't get I don't get too worried about that, but I, I think he's a, he's a very nice prospect. Now, what worries you, of course, is, and this is not specific to him. This is everybody these days. He's never visited Virginia Tech. Um. So if if recruiting does get open back up in April or May or whenever, you know these guys are. We know that schools will lose commitments from players who committed before they visited anywhere else, right? Yeah. Because they couldn't visit anywhere else. Um, and I'm not saying he's going to be one of those guys, but I am saying, you know, even in a normal year, you take recruiting with a, commitments with a grain of salt or, or whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, you take all of them that way this year. And that, that's not just Virginia Tech. That's everybody. Um, but I'm excited to have him, but I, like, I'm not inking him, in, him into the recruiting class yet. I'm writing everything with a pencil there. I think I think his film looks really good. You know, Chris talked. He keeps his eyes downfield. He uh, fit the ball in some tight windows. Uh, scale of one to ten, his arm looked like about a seven or an eight. You know, but he's just a junior in high school. I think his mechanics for a junior are uh, pretty darn good. They're they're pretty impressive. He uh, he very he reminds me of like Josh Jackson, except uh, not as how do I put this? Not as thick as Josh Jackson. And more athletic than Josh yeah. Jackson, but uh, as far as like Jackson was really advanced mentally and from a mechanical standpoint and, and all that, so I think this guy's advanced to like Jackson from a mental standpoint. Yeah. Um, quickly, you know, for a long time Virginia Tech's had multiple quarterbacks in the quarterback room. You know, you think about 2017 with Josh Jackson, you're thinking, okay, you got Josh Jackson for a couple of years. And then Ryan Wills, you know, you've got him for two years, but then you've got Quincy Patterson and Hendon Hooker. And then when Hooker gets the job, you've got uh, Patterson and, and Braxton Burmeister. You look at this quarterback room now, and you've got Braxton Burmeister, you've got Knox Kadem, you've got Taj Bullock, and then you've got Farrell, who's a class of 22 high school and, grad. And Bloomerick. And Bloomerick, thank you. Yep. Thank you. I knew it was forgetting somebody. Um, I feel like it was much more clear like the future of what the quarterbacks would look like for years to come at Tech. Will, when I ask you when what do you think of the future of the quarterback room? Because Burmeister's not going to be here forever just because he's older right. the transfer. What do you think the future looks like? I mean, is this a Taj Bullock type waiting in the wings do you think that this is maybe a job that he can take? Is this a Devin Farrell? Like, What do you think about the future the next two, three, four years for Virginia Tech football the quarterback spot? I've I've learned not to look beyond like next year. <laughs> no, I, I think simply there, put, there, there, there's a there's a lot of options there. But uh, you know, like you said, back in 2017, you would have thought you could have Josh Jackson for three or four years. You know, and you saw how quickly yeah. that changed. And then yeah. you thought you were going to have Ryan Willis for two years, and he got benched. And then you thought you were going to have yeah. Hendon Hooker for three years, and so, he got benched and then transferred. So I would answer it this way: I think they're doing a pretty good job stuffing the pipeline. I, I think. All these guys have potential, and and you know don't don't, don't count out Knox Kadem. Uh, he, uh, I thought he did uh, pretty well in his time against Clemson, yeah. you know, and and it's it's hard to say how much these guys, you know, we we got to have spring football, 
for you to feel good about the quarterback room. You can't go through two straight spring footballs and not be able to develop your quarterbacks during the spring. And I think it's critical for a guy like Kadem. And is Bullock here yet, or will no, he come in the fall? No, he comes in May. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, so it's a, it's a little dicey to me if uh, something happens to Burmeister. Other than that, you know, I think things are progressing well, and, and they've got options. It's extremely dicey after Burmeister. You know, yeah. la- last year, the big thing, the big, the news articles last year were heading into the season where Virginia Tech has three quarterbacks that have won that a have Power won Five games. football game. Yeah, right, and that that's accurate. And this year they've got Burmeister, who's done that. Bloomerick, who is a guy look we don't even know that he's going to be second string quarterback at Virginia Tech. Sure. He hasn't taken a snap in the offense yet. I mean, I bet I bet on the very first day of spring practice Burmeister is going to be first and Knox Kadem is going to be second just based on experience I think that's fair. within the system. Yeah. Um so we'll see how Bloomer does. I think they like his athleticism and they they like his uh his arm talent and they like his demeanor. But the fact of the matter is, you know, he he could never make it on the field, even as like the backup at Texas A and M. So we can't assume that he's going to do that. And here. he could be playing different and, positions. You never know. I mean, if it doesn't work out at quarterback, he has that physical capability. But you know, it's possible that he's not the backup quarterback this year. But his ceiling is high enough where he could potentially be the starter the year after with with a year in the program and and everything like that, and and gaining experience within the system. Um. I am concerned this year about quarterback. Not, and I, and I'm, I think Burmeister will do fine if he's healthy. But the last two years, I know this, I know Virginia Tech two years ago needed three quarterbacks for various reasons, whether benchings or injuries or whatever. This past year they needed four quarterbacks, whether it was benchings or injuries or COVID or whatever. And I'm Knox Kadem being the fourth against yeah, Clemson. They yeah. needed to play him, right? So – if they need three this year, then that then that means you're you know you're dipping down to Kagan and Bloomrick. They would both play and snaps at some point this year for Virginia Tech. If you needed if four, you which four, <laughs> that means Todd Bullock would, but that's unlikely. That that that's rare that you get down to your fourth string quarterback. That doesn't happen sure. very often. Uh, but there were so many years uh, throughout the past, well, throughout all of Virginia Tech history where. I mean, Tech's quarterback stayed so healthy that they, they rarely ever missed a start or even a play. I think they ran less in the past, though. You know, they they run a lot. In, they in they the, do run a lot. In the Justin Fuente, Brad Carnelson offense. Yeah. Um, Logan Thomas ran a lot, but he was so big. Such a hoss. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Gerard ran a lot, but he was so big. Yeah. Um, Hooker has their frame, but Hooker never had any muscle mass at all. He had the body of a basketball player, not yeah. a not a football player. Uh, and uh, Burmeister's not the biggest guy in the world either. Right. Um, so, yeah, you do. You worry how you worry about durability there. Um, like I said, I'm I'm my my biggest concern amongst the the starty, the starters on offense is actually running back. How can you possibly replicate the production that Khalil Herbert gave? <laughs> yeah, sure. Because if you can't, that puts more pressure on the quarterbacks. And and you know, I would prefer not to have to run Burmeister a lot because if he does get hurt, what does that mean for your team? I think I think it, I think it's you potentially, it's a potential huge downgrade, yeah. right? Well, 
Yep. It is Monday, February 15th, and we have plenty of time, too, to discuss the uh, the spring practices coming up and the offseason. And, of course, any Virginia Tech football news, we'll bring it up here on the Tech Sideline Podcast. Mentioned seven sports are being mentioned today, three down. Let's get one more in before we take a break and because uh, we're going to go to a break. We'll come back, and then we'll talk about spring sports. So let's uh, let's talk about Virginia Tech women's basketball here for a moment. Uh, Hokies 11-7. and seven. Six and seven in the AC. uh, ACC, they are receiving votes outside of the top 25. They've won four in a row. Uh, They did beat Miami, who they were tied with in the ACC standings on Thursday. 75-55. Good win in Coral Gables. They've now beaten Miami at Pitt, Virginia, and – excuse me, not Virginia. Miami, Pitt, North Carolina, and North Carolina State. They've won their last four games. Their game of Sunday was postponed against Boston College. Which is um, unfortunate. Which is unfortunate, but it was COVID in Boston College's program. Yeah. So their game this Thursday was supposed to be against Duke. They suspended their season uh, in December. So the Hokies play on Sunday at noon against Syracuse. Sunday the 21st. Sunday the 21st. Yeah. So the bottom line is they've had a couple of – I mean, the, the UVA, they canceled their season. They had that game on the second that got canceled. Duke, so they're, they're, they're missing some games, but they're – again, not a lot's happened since last week, but they're – you know, they're 6-7. and seven. They're right where they need to be to make a run here with uh, Clemson and North Carolina. So they only have three games left in the regular season. Wow. And they're currently projected as a 10 seed by, by the guy – who does Charlie women, Paul, women's, I think his name Charlie is. something. Yes. Yeah, he, he does uh, women's bracketology. Uh, Charlie something. He's Charlie really, something. <laughs> but uh, uh, and, and I think Virginia I, Tech – I was focused on the numbers, not that guy's name. <laughs> I think the Hokies can win out. Um, you know, Clemson at Clemson will be a difficult one. They'll go so Syracuse this Sunday, at Clemson next Thursday, and then home against North Carolina, a game that was added. Um, I believe the Hokies are already 2-0 and against North Carolina this year. So they're going to play them they a third are. time? They are, because the Virginia game got postponed, so the ACC added a game for them. So they will play the Tar Heels uh, for a third time. They beat North Carolina 73-69 on January 31st, and they beat UNC at UNC 66-54. So, you're, anyways. you're right. They, they could win out, particularly, uh, <clears throat> you know, they're really hitting their stride. They're, it was so frustrating earlier in the year because you see the talent on the team. There's so much talent out there. And they've got the t- the top scoring duo in uh, in the ACC with Kitley and uh, Shepard, who almost I think one averages nineteen point one, the average is eighteen, yeah. the other one averages eighteen point nine. Uh, they got the double double machine in Kitley. I it, I wish Georgia Amore was a year or two older because she's really good, and and I would love to have have her just have more experience. Yeah, you know. Um, but there's there's just a bunch of talent out there, and it and that's what I've seen in the four game winning streak is the talent has taken over, and and the results are matching the talent. And um, I think uh, you, it's easy to get down on yourself. All right, whatever losses they were accumulating before were, my gosh, they were all it was all like watching the same game, yeah. right? I mean, they'd be winning and then they'd lose in the last two minutes. They yep. couldn't close the game out, right? Yep. Well, then all of a sudden, so, so by the way, and that's demoralizing. Losses like that, if they're all the same, they kind of build on themselves. You can dominate the whole game, and then you go out there with two minutes left, and it's in the back of your mind. Right. Oh, are we going to do this again, right? Well, then they played NC State, and they actually won one of those games against the, went second down to the, ranked the, against the second ranked team in the country. So, 
sometimes that that does a lot for your confidence and gets you over the hump as far as that stuff goes and maybe that's what we've uh, what we've seen that's what it looks like and if they if they can win out they would finish again assuming no games are postponed or anything the three games they have left on their schedule they would finish 14 and 7 and 9 and 7 in the conference um and then you know you never know what happens at the ACC so to me that's a that's a tournament worthy resume right there and even at 6 and 7 right now um, I go back. I said this last week. I said again. I was watching the ACC Network after one of their games, and Muffet McGraw is now an analyst for the network, legendary Notre Dame women's basketball coach. And she said she believes that Virginia Tech has the fourth best talent. I believe it was Muffet or somebody on the network said it, but I'm pretty sure uh-huh. fourth best talent of any team in the conference. Well, you so got so the two leading scores, and and I guess the is Kitley the leading rebounder. I don't know if she's a leading rebounder. In she's the got she's up there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean that's probably accurate. So she 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 way, she goes between first and fifth in the country in double doubles, and she might be uh, like maybe one or two in the one or two in the ACC. So let's say the women make the tournament and the men make the tournament. The stat has surfaced that that will be the first time ever. Really. That, that Virginia Tech's men's and women's teams have made the tournament. So I did my research last night, and I, and I think I may burp this into a free article today just because it's got a table and it's something that should really be seen visually, okay? So the men, between 1967 and 1986, went to six NCAA tournaments through 1986. Then in 1994 and 95, the women went, and the men did not. And that was the first Time the first time the women had been yeah okay. uh i think they started the program in the 70s um that sounds right so it took carol alfano a while to build them up to an ncaa tournament team so the women went in 94 and 95 the men went in 96 and i looked it up the women were like 11 and 19 or something like that it wasn't even close yeah and then the men didn't go again for 11 years well and there's the problem neither one of them went in 97 and then from 1998 through 2006 the women went seven times mm. Mm-hmm. Over that stretch, because Bonnie Hendrickson showed up and 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 got him going, and 2006, I believe, was uh, I'm blanking. Who took over for Bonnie? Uh, Duncanberger. Duncan Beth Duncanberger um, went to the NCAA tournament with with Bonnie's program, basically, and that was 2006. And finally, in 2007, <laughs> Seth Greenberg got his team into the NCAA tournament the very next year. So that was 2007, and the women didn't go because the, the Beth Duncanberger era started to take hold and the results started to decline. Mm-hmm. From 2008 through 2016, neither one. I mean, the women haven't been since 2006, Correct. so you can now wipe them off that side of the table, and the men went in 07, 17, 18, and 19. So it's been this interesting. Together, they've gone to however many tournaments that is. It looks like close to 20. But the programs have been – One's up and the other's down. One's up and the other's down. It's kind of interesting. But we're a basketball school now, so they're both good. <laughs> That's right. They're, hey, gonna start, they're both going to start going every know, year. People all like to chime in that Tech's a wrestling school. Some say that we're a softball school right now, <laughs> and we're going to talk. Honestly, we're so- pretty much good at everything except – well, uh, <laughs> well, how about this? Let's step aside for a break. But here's what we have coming up in the rest of episode 167. We are going to talk softball, lacrosse, baseball. Plus, yesterday was Valentine's Day. What hokey moment do you love the most? Drop it in the chat. We'll talk about that and then get to your YouTube live questions. You're listening and watching to episode 167 of the Tech Sideline Podcast presented by Anytime Fitness, Campus Emporium, and the Southeast Regional Training Center. We'll be back in just a moment.
Welcome back, episode 167 of the Tech Sideline Podcast, recording on Monday morning, February 15th. Great to have you with us. Evan Hughes, Chris Coleman, Will Stewart, Malcolm Stewart, behind the scenes. Tech Sideline Podcast is presented by Campus Emporium. They're proud to sponsor the Tech Sideline community. A portion of every sale is returned to Virginia Tech in support of its endowment for excellence, student programming, and need-based scholarships. We have been serving the Virginia Tech community for over 25 years from our locations in Blacksburg and our online store. Please visit the number one source for Virginia Tech merchandise at CampusEmporium.com or come see us at 207 North Main Street or 1337 South Main Street. All right, before we transition and talk about spring sports, because yes, they're back and there's already uh, a lot to talk about with softball, lacrosse, and baseball starting this weekend. As we record at exactly 11 o'clock in the morning on Monday, February 15th, Mike Young is speaking to reporters on the weekly ACC Men's Basketball Coaches video conference. This is what Norm Wood tweeted out nine minutes ago. He said, he says, Mike Young, his team has had a couple of people test positive in his tier one group. He said the team can practice, but on a limited basis. Unsure about Saturday game against Florida State. And then we got a tweet in from uh, one of the viewers saying, ACC COVID protocol now is five days with negative test and seven for contact tracing per Rono times. So they've changed that a lot since nice. football season. Yep. Good. Okay. So, just <clears throat> appreciate up, that, whoever sent yep, this. That was yeah. RG on Twitter. Appreciate that. And that was for the Roanoke Times he was saying. And, uh, yeah, we just got done talking about that and wanted to make sure we updated everybody. All right, let's uh, – so spring sports, it's here. It's hard to believe. It's middle of yeah, February. Yeah, it's spring. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> spring serious, outside. We look outside. It is one of the <laughs> yuckiest days of 2021. Is that it's fair? Gonna so it's going to get just, worse on Thursday, apparently. Yeah, uh, snow yeah. and rain and cold and no sun. Uh, but let's talk about spring sports. And let's start with uh, – 15th-ranked Virginia Tech softball. Um, what a start this weekend for the Hokies. And, you know, you think about this program over the last couple of years. Pete DeMoor comes in um, in 2019 and takes a team that won, I think, 24 games in 2018, and they nearly win 50 games, and they win the ACC regular season championship in his first year when they were preseason to pick like I think 10th or 11th in the conference and, really wow um, they get all the way to our NCAA regional yeah. final and then last year they're 21 and four and they played in the Clearwater tournament which is like the equivalency of the Maui tournament in men's basketball but even bigger and they beat some big time teams and then COVID hits they come back they start their season this past weekend against Kennesaw State this is the program that Pete DeMore built before taking the Virginia Tech job. And I was telling Will and Chris the equivalency to me, like Kennesaw State is like a butler a couple of years ago, right? In like the early 2010s when they were just a really good mid-major. And uh, the Hokies win 6-0, 6 and 4 nothing. They shut out the Owls in all three games. And Keeley Rochard, an All-American who led the NCAA in strikeouts a year ago, was terrific. Uh, 16 innings pitched. 18 strikeouts to two walks. And uh, let's start right there with the pitching. I mean, we've got the numbers here from Hokey Chip, Chip Grubb, who's doing a great job covering the team for Tech Sideline. And I know he's watching right now. Well, I mean, it was just impressive every way you look at it. 
Yes. So before you go, ah, Kennesaw State, um, they batted 350 last year, which was seventh in the country. What was their record last year? They they were 21 and four when Correct. the season they stopped. They beat 15th ranked Auburn last year. Yeah. To we're open talking about the, Virginia Tech. No, I was talking yeah. about Kennesaw. Or who are you talking about? Kennesaw State was also yeah. 21 and four. Right? Kennesaw oh, State okay. was right. 20. I mean, right. they they were oh, they were right. so, last year. So they were 21 and four when the season shut down, and they returned eight of their top nine hitters in a year in which they hit 350 as a team, which was seventh in the country. Right. And then they didn't score a run against Virginia Tech. Yes. So that, you know, stats are stats. That speaks for itself. Yeah, numbers don't, you know, you, numbers are unbiased, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, sometimes they lie, but they're unbiased. Uh, so 21 innings pitch, zero runs, eight hits, 20 strikeouts, two walks over the course of the weekend for Virginia Tech. That that that'll that'll do. Say, uh, Rashard pitched sixteen innings. Sixteen innings. So that's just, that means you've got five innings of no run ball from the rest of your staff too. Well, so Ivy Rosenberry, who's a true freshman, and and that and here's the, in softball, right? You only need like really one great pitcher, right? But and Keeley Rochard threw the majority of all innings last year. But now I think Tech has some depth behind her. Mac Osborne's right. a local product. Ivy Rosenberry, she throws a complete game at her collegiate debut in game two of the doubleheader on Saturday, and she was terrific. So I thought that was honestly as great as Keeley was. I think everybody expects her to be that sure. great, right? right? So that was really impressive. <clears throat> Ivy Rosenberry was that impressive this weekend. So Chip Chip wrote that she induced the Owl batters to hit 21 ground balls, 18 of which went for outs, only gave up three hits. So so back to Rochard. Listen to what Chip writes. The two shutouts that she pitched ran her consecutive scoreless inning streak over two seasons to 41 straight scoreless innings. She's given up exactly one run in the last 82 innings. And softball games go seven innings, right? Correct. That is almost 12 games. And there's a run rule involved as well. So right. Yes. Which so yes, we'll, a full we'll game of seven something. innings. Yep. So that's probably 12 or 13 games she has given up one run and has struck out 113 in those 82 innings. So time to dig into the archives and start doing some Angela Tincher comparisons. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, we don't have that stuff ready, but reading that makes me want to go do that. Um, and there were a couple of, you know, the offense here, as I'm looking at Coach Demore was quote, he said, offensively, I would, I would grade us a C. We hit some balls right at people. KSU's pitching was good, but we need to stick with our approach better. But it's early, and I'm confident that we'll improve. And this is a really good offense, Tech has. I mean, you think about when season starts, right? It takes a little bit. It's been 11 months since they've seen live pitching, but this is a really it's good cool offense. Yeah. And one name to keep an eye on right there in the middle, gentlemen, uh, Cameron Fagan. Uh, was one of the top preseason ranked one of the top freshmen in the country. The Fagans are one of the most well-known softball names because their older sisters were just dominant mm -hmm. in the SEC. And Demore gets the younger sister Cameron to commit to Virginia Tech. She's a, a shortstop. Shortstop, leadoff hitter, hit 455 this weekend, um, and was had a great. And then they started Addie Green, who's a freshman at second base. Emma Ritter got some time in the outfield. So it's a perfect combination of he's recruiting at such a high level, and then he's he inherited a team with a lot of talent. There's just so many options for him right now. And so one of the things that uh, that people need to know about the Virginia Tech softball program is for softball program, their facilities are actually very good. Terrific. Um, the indoor facility that they have, I've, I've told this story before, I'll tell it again, after, after the Virginia Tech expanded Rector Fieldhouse and built – the indoor throws facility and, and also for, for track and also the indoor. It's basically an infield that's indoors. 
plus some pitching and, and, and hitting add-ons. Uh, I remember uh, um, Pete Demore was doing a press conference one day, so I walked in. I, I asked him. I said, "What do you what do you think about those facilities?" And he said, and he wasn't exaggerating. He said, "They're the best in the country." Um, they're comparable to the, the uh, from what I hear, the other two teams in the ACC with comparable facilities are Florida State and UNC. But um, if you're used to hearing us criticize Tech's facilities, sometimes that's not the case here. It's the we other criticize way their football. Yes, we, we criticize yeah, the yeah. football facilities. Um, that's not the case here. Tech has excellent softball facilities. It, it actually appears to me that Virginia Tech is successful in the sports where. They have the facilities and the infrastructure in place that are comparable to the best teams in the nation in that sport. Mm -hmm. So track and field has really good facilities, and they're really good. Wrestling has great facilities, and they're really good. Men's basketball has their own building, building, and so does women's basketball, and and they're good programs. The baseball program has improved with with, with new facilities. Softball is some of the best facilities in the country. what doesn't yeah so know. and so yeah i mean i just think i think tech's olympic sports right now are you know are just an example of if you put the resources into it it doesn't guarantee success because you still have to hire the right coaches and everything yeah. like that too but at the same time if you don't have those in place you're probably not going to succeed and you give yourself a much greater chance of success of success if those facilities are in place so yeah. we have great fac- facilities in softball we have a great softball team. It adds up. Witt typically does a really good job hiring coaches. You yeah. know, the guys, the, 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 the men and women that he hires are are competent tacticians and game planners and those sorts of things. So if you, if you provide them with the facilities, they'll be successful. Yeah. DeMore is excellent. I mean, he really is. He's recruiting well. And I, I still go back to the team he inherited. They went from winning 24 games, 10 seed at the ACC to winning an ACC championship the next year in his first year. Yeah. I mean, just yeah, that, that. is, is, is impressive. And, I, and I'll go ahead and say it on record. I really do believe the ceiling for this team is the Women's College World Series. They can get there. No doubt. They've got the depth. Um, Chris I, and I were talking about this the other day. If Angela Tincher had the hitting that, that this team has, um, you know, they, they did make the College World Series with her pitching. Who knows what they could have done. I will say that Pete DeMore is a tough grader. Now, granted, he said it. <laughs> he said it in here himself. He says, I know I'm a tough grader. Uh, he gave the offense a C, which is probably right, considering they hit 241 as a team. Right. Uh, gave the pitching an A, which, of course, he said, defensively, I'd give us a C plus. We made the plays we we're supposed to make, and we saw areas that need improvement. I feel like when you don't give up any runs, all right, 18 ground balls, right? You don't give up any runs. 18 ground ball outs uh, when uh, Rosenberry pitched. So I feel like that in itself is a grade a little more worthy than a C plus. That means your infield's really on top of things, right? That's true. But – so they have a huge weekend coming up as well. So the ACC is split. It's, it's like actually a, a week. Yeah, it yeah. is. And you're 100% right. And so the Hokies have Clemson, who was a startup program last year, and they are recruiting very well. Oh, by the um, way, as far as facilities, I'm sure Clemson's up there too. They, they just they started up their program. Clemson new stadium. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they, and then they've got Florida State. And so what was really – so you go back to DeMore's first year – it's funny, so Tech was preseason picked to finish 10th or 11th in the conference, and Florida State was just coming off of their national championship. Yeah. And the coaches poll, everybody voted Florida State to win the ACC that year except for one team. And somebody picked Virginia Tech, who was preseason 11th in DeMore's first year to win the ACC, 
and they did. And I'm pretty sure it was Lonnie Alameda, who's the coach of Florida State. She saw wow. it coming. Really? And huh. then the Tech were the one seed of the ACCs. They got bumped early by NC State, didn't play Florida State the whole year. And then last year, they were supposed to host Florida State for a three-game series the last weekend of the regular season, mm. which never got to happen. Wow. So now, finally, so we still don't know. Finally, this right. week, we get Clemson, Virginia Tech, which should be good. And then Florida State, and their pitching's not as great as it used to be. They're still a good team, and they were preseason pick to win it. Tech was preseason second. I think Florida State's 12th and Tech's 15th. But if you're a softball fan, even though you want to watch some good uh, softball this weekend, I believe a decent amount's going to be streamed on the uh, ACC Network. Actually, they're playing that in Atlanta, I believe, in the pod. So um, this is a big, big test early, which is great. And I know Coach Demore, I think, likes to test his team early. But now you're in ACC play. Uh, it, you know, it starts starts right now. So that's the update on 15th ranked Virginia Tech softball. So before we yep. before we leave that, do you know if any of those games are going to be televised on the? That's East what network? I think it'll. I think they'll be on the network extra. I think I don't know that for a fact. I would I would think they will be. Um, that is my. I don't know that for a fact. However, I'm working on pulling up the schedule. So. Um, but those those will be important, and uh, yeah, again, they're 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 a fun team to watch. They really are. And um, so let's give Chip a shout out. By the way, yeah. he he went to Kennesaw State, got home. I think roughly midnight last night. He said the roads were in through Floyd County were icy, foggy. He sent his recap at one thirty eight a.m. Wow. Yeah, he's the best. Yeah, so he's going to preview Clemson and Florida State together. That'll that'll run. We'll we'll do the uh, we'll do the recap first thing after the podcast, and then uh, get the uh, Clemson and Florida State preview in before those series start. Fantastic! Uh, if you want a good game to watch this week, well, you can watch softball play Clemson Florida State. You can watch Virginia Tech baseball this weekend. I'll get to that in a moment. Or you can watch a big in-state series on Wednesday at two o'clock from Lane Stadium. 7th-ranked JMU lacrosse playing 18th-ranked Virginia Tech lacrosse. Uh, Virginia Tech lacrosse got their season underway this past Saturday. They're uh, ranked 18th in the country. 13-5 win at Liberty. Angie Benson, 8 saves. Um, Lubno had a hat trick for Virginia Tech. They've got Paige Petty back. Again, lacrosse, a program. I mean, John Sung inherited a program that was, I mean, here at <laughs> yeah. the ACC. And well, he it has so quickly yeah. elevated that program. It was awful. And, uh... He's done a great job. Uh, they did they lose their but they lost their best player. She's not playing this year, right? No, so, she's uh, Paige Petty's the best player. Paige she's Petty, playing. Yeah. Yep. What did I see about or, or maybe not their best player? Uh, somebody. Oh, Taylor Caskey, who is one of their best players. Okay. She uh, uh, injured her Achilles, and that is a, that is a big loss. There's okay. no. Question. I thought I read something about how one of them was not playing this year to because they're looking at they're pursuing other opportunities or something yeah. this this spring. I might I might have missed that. I, I'm pretty uh, sure I saw that. She's coach she's going to help coach cuz she's sidelined okay. for the year. But that is um she's so, out with an injury. So let me ask you, you say they're 18th in the country. How yes. strong is women's uh, lacrosse? In, in the, the ACC, ACC it's ridiculous. I know. It is like so you can have the number four men's cro- uh, soccer team in the country, and you know. They're so they're the, 18th. I want to say there's f- at least four teams in the ACC ahead of them, right. and a lot of them are top five. But I can tell you what this. So they're playing in Lane, two o'clock on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and this is uh, it's on the ACC network. This is their huge rival. So JMU won the national championship in yeah. women's lacrosse uh, in 2018. They beat Boston College. And uh, Hokies have never beaten the Dukes, and they have come very close under John Sung. 
And so is this year they finally beat JMU? So that's um, on the ACC at network? At 2 o'clock. So you guys right here can pull up the game. But that's going to be a big one against the Dukes. Uh, that's uh, And they're ranked 7th in the country, and Virginia Tech right now is ranked 18th in the country. And that's at 2 o'clock on uh, on Wednesday. Do you think they'd let me in Lynch Stadium if I wanted to watch it? <laughs> Chris Coleman, you are a rock star. I mean, you know, I uh, – Go and cover that. So, all right, that's the update on lacrosse. And we get to our seventh team that we're going to head. It's tight. This podcast is titled Around the Horn. Mm-hmm. Let's finish with Virginia Tech baseball because they open their season this weekend against Kent State, uh, a program that is the best in the MAC. They have been for quite some time, a really good mid major. Uh, this will be, a, a, I think, a really nice test for Virginia Tech this weekend. Uh, all three games will be on the ACC Network Extra. 4 o'clock first pitch Friday, 1 o'clock first pitch Saturday and Sunday. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Chris, you know, this is uh, – I think last year could have been a real turning point. I think Coach Jeff had a strong program with Seymour and Taylor, and we'll never know what could have happened it, last it's year. It's extremely frustrating. He's a proven head coach. Um, you had – the battery last year that you're looking for two guys both of which you have you know leg- legitimate chance to be major league players one day and seymour and was just having a great year and he ended up becoming what a second round pick second round fairly pick. early second early or, 50s early 50s okay yeah um so that's unfortunate because we got we never saw ian seymour's best at virginia tech or we saw it for like two weeks and then COVID happened and he was gone. And now it's a, you're not starting from scratch, but it kind of feels that way because so much work got put into building that team last year, which I think was going to be a good team. It was, I think it was an NCAA tournament team. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know as much about this year's team. Well, they've got some good pitching coming back. They've got Chris Gerard, a lefty, who I think is going to be mm-hmm. their Friday night guy. And, uh, Simon Ellie will be their Saturday guy. I think that the offense, uh, they got a great transfer from Texas Tech, uh, TJ Rumfield, uh, who I think is going to be a big addition to the bat. So they've got Kevin Madden back. Nick Bittison's a really good second baseman. Yeah, Bittison's been uh, a good Fritz player. Fritz Genther had a strong freshman start last year as a true freshman. Cade Hunter behind the plate is somebody uh, whose dad, I, w- I want to say, is like the director of scouting for the Mariners. Really strong talent behind the plate. And then I think they've got a strong outfield as well. So so we'll see. I mean, they were preseason to pick six out of seven in the Coastal. But that is also mm. because the ACC is, once again, ridiculous in baseball. I mean, everybody ahead of them is just really good. But I'm disappointed that last year couldn't play out because I think yeah. they would have made the ACC tournament. They would have made the – I think they had If you make the make, ACC tournament, you make the NCAA tournament just about, correct. basically. So, um, they can say – so, Friday night's game at 4 o'clock should be a good one because Luke Albright's the projected starter for Kent State. He's going to be a top five-round draft selection, in my opinion. Um, he was actually our ace in St. Cloud, uh, where I was for the last three summers. And, now <laughs> he's, uh, and I'll be calling that game, so that'll be, uh, that'll be interesting. You've got but, the full um, scouting report. I have the full scouting report on him. But, uh, yeah, so, anyways, that's a big one this weekend. And uh, so, that's uh, – at English Field, too. You don't typically see a lot of baseball on the weekends in February. In February, in Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and that, that starts what day? Friday. Friday. Let's see what the high is on Friday. Thir- the high on Friday is 30 degrees. Uh, the day before Thursday is a 93% chance of precipitation, ice, and rain. Oh, gosh. And then the next day they play baseball. So Kent State has to make it here, first of all. Right, 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 yeah. right. So – like, Five and a half hour bus ride. Uh, again, uh, pencil that in on your calendar. Don't yeah. don't ink it in because you can never be so sure about the oh, weather. Man, just just two more weeks and we'll be yeah. in March. 
So we have gone through seven Virginia Tech teams in an hour and 20 minutes. I'm impressed. That was very efficient on everyone's part. We've gotten through all the news. And, you know, yesterday was Valentine's Day. And, right. you know, a day full of love and Reese's chocolate. And uh, I was on Twitter and I saw SportsCenter tweeted out, what's, your, what's the moment that you fell in love with sports? And I was like, you know what? I'm going to steal that. And I'm going to throw it around and turn around to those that listen and watch the Tech Sideline podcast. Um, ask the question Sunday morning on Valentine's Day. What Virginia Tech moment do you love the most? And I put it on the message boards, and I did not think I would have over 100 people respond, which I greatly appreciate everybody that did that. And I put it on Twitter, and everybody, it was it was really cool because you had different generations giving their favorite moments, right, from the 60s and 70s to Makai Lewis winning a national title. And there's a lot of Virginia Tech moments that were thrown out here. So I'm going to let you two think on it for a minute, but I'm going to give some of the main ones that were given on the boards. All right, so um, let's see. First one from Bass and Hokie, 1983, 48-0, and then two years later beating the Hoos. That was the first one that was mentioned. Went over number two Memphis and Castle. Place was in Fuego. Um, that was uh, 2004 beating Miami in the Orange Bowl for the ACC championship. Uh, beating Nebraska in Lincoln. Pick six to seal the win against Ohio State. Uh, beating Duke in 05 on Xavier Dowdell's three with Ewing shot awry. Um, the Henson heave, 85-foot shot to beat Florida State in the early 80s. Probably the last time we beat Florida State in Tallahassee. Maybe not, but close. <laughs> Feels like it. Uh, stadium eruption after Twitty tackled Miami quarterback to cap VT win over Miami. Tweety. Tweety, yeah. sorry. Yeah, Alonzo uh, Tweety. But these yeah. are just some of the many. And then the 1973 NIT tournament, we were talking about it before – we went live. There were a lot of people mentioning that. Yeah. So those are some of the best. Will, I mean, favorite moment in Virginia Tech history. What do you love the most? Well, mine is uh, beating Texas in the Sugar Bowl in 95. And it's uh, there's another layer to it for me. The, the winning the UVA game that year is also close. And, and there's some basketball memories that are close. But I remember uh, – being in the the Superdome, and and I had, I've told this story before. I had really good seats for that game. We were upper deck. I was in the front row of the upper deck at the ten yard line, so I could just lean on the railing and watch the game. And you you can just see everything from that vantage point. And you know that that was the culmination of a year of coming back from zero and two, but leading up to that. Sugar Bowl, hearing everybody say that Virginia Tech didn't belong, they didn't deserve it, Miami should have gotten it, Texas was going to kill them, blah, blah, blah. And and getting very, very little, very little respect from anybody. And then going out there and stomping Texas. And I remember leaving the Superdome. I hung around as long as I could. They finally kicked us out. And I remember walking up the tunnel and turning around looking and thinking, it, it I can't see it getting any better than this. Um. And then the next morning, we watched um, ESPN, and I watched Lee Corso apologize to Virginia Tech for underestimating them and bad-mouthing them. And I remember we were sitting in our hotel room, and he said that, and I got up and I said, all right, let's go. Done. Trip's over. You know, just that, that's all I need to see. Time to go home. Um, 
But for me, that was also the very last tech football game I watched just as a fan and didn't have to because I started the website in March of 96. So from that point on, every game I have had to write about it afterwards. And that game, I did not. I could just enjoy it as a fan. So I have that extra layer. For Chris it. Coleman, that, what, what Virginia Tech moment do you love the most? I have a three-way tie. And I don't favor <laughs> no. I don't favor one over the other, but it's interesting. Your last point is interesting. The the last game that you watched as a fan, and uh, you know, my senior year, Tech won the ACC first year in the conference. So two thousand two thousand four, right? So beating Miami that year to to win the ACC is up there. And now that I think about it, I guess that's the last, besides the Sugar Bowl that year against Auburn. I guess, but, uh, but that's really basically the last time I ever watched a Virginia Tech game as just a fan because I started working for TSL the next summer. Well, you were working that year as an intern, and you were I was doing, working that year as an intern. You were doing you were alternating doing game recaps at, with uh, Adam Abramson for Adam, football games. Mm-hmm. Adam would do one, you'd do one. No kidding. Chris, Chris wrote under the pseudonym Chris James. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's, that's his middle Because I had a press pass back then through VTTV, uh-huh. so and uh. So I didn't want them to find out that I I was uh, they would have t- they wouldn't have let me into practice if they knew I was writing for TSL. So right, I used a fake right. name to write. So for you TSL. wrote under a pseudonym. Yeah, exactly. So that was my senior year, and you know my last two years of high school were the the Michael Vick years, and, and Tech goes wins eleven games both of those years, and then I'm excited to come to Virginia Tech, and all of a sudden my freshman year we only win eight games, and then. The next year we go, we win ten, but we also lose four because we play fourteen games. Most right? of them at the end, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so ten and four, and then my junior year we go eight and five and just tank it. A team that everybody thought was going to be in the top ten. So I'm like, man, so my last year, two two years of high school, we were a top five program, played for a national championship, and then I finally get to Virginia Tech, where I've always wanted to be, and now we we're just not we're not nowhere near as good as we used to be. Yeah. So I felt like my first th- my first three years of college from a football standpoint were extremely disappointing. So yeah. my senior year winning the ACC, my my senior year, Tech's first year in the league was big. Um, clinching undefeated season against Boston College in 99. Um, I came up that year with my dad to the UAB game, and I told him, and that was back when you, you know, there was a big stretch where Tech would sell out season tickets every year, and there were never any individual game tickets, but that hadn't quite happened yet. So after the UAB game, I told my dad, order tickets to the Boston College game because we're going to clinch an undefeated season that night. And he did, and we did. Yeah. So uh, being there to see Tech clinch that undefeated season, you kind of have, have a pretty good idea that you're going to play for the national championship, but you don't really know it for sure um and remember the the scoreboard accidentally reported that colorado had beaten nebraska and that turned out to be a false report but there was a stretch during that celebration where we thought it was over we thought nebraska had just lost and we thought we're definitely going the national championship game as it turned out it was a false report and uh, nebraska ended up winning that game tech still went but we were celebrating like nebraska had lost and we yeah yeah Yeah. uh so that's up there. And then my third is uh, Sweet 16 in men's basketball. Mm. Uh, I, I almost did a four-way tie with the Sugar Bowl, but like I was only 12 years old at the time. I grasped the significance of it, but from an emotional standpoint, I really wasn't old enough to right. 
to take it all in. And plus, I didn't go to New Orleans like like most people did. I was only 12 years old. So, uh, but yeah, those are my top three in no particular order. No, I, I totally get the 1973 NIT thing. If you ask my dad, my dad's passed away, but if you asked him what was your favorite memory as, as a Hokie fan, he would he would pick that. You, you know, one thing I left out was Chris Kinzer's game-winning field goal my senior year. Peach Bowl, right? For Tech's first ever win. Um, first ever uh, bowl win. First right? ever bowl win, yeah. First ever win. <laughs> uh, sorry. sorry <laughs> it took about 100 years to win a game, but I finally got, Peach bowl. <laughs> I got I got distracted, and I was thinking about I've lived and died a million times that game. Yeah. And, and that was just so awesome. Uh, but I, I get the NIT thing because, you know, you only went to the NCAA tournament back then as a team if you won your conference tournament. So a lot of really good teams wound up in the NIT. and Yeah, there, there, there's a reason that the ACC tournament has so much lore. And it's because originally you had to win it to make the NCAA tournament. And, there, and they were some of the best basketball teams in the country. The, yeah. Can you imagine, like, if only one of Duke, UNC, Virginia, Florida State, or this year Virginia Tech, Syracuse, do you imagine if only one of those teams could make the NCAA tournament? And, I, and so I know a lot of people don't take the ACC tournament as seriously the, these days, especially those who don't go back very far. Yeah. But if you had to win the ACC tournament to go to the NCAA tournament, man, everybody would be watching the ACC tournament. I mean, it was eight teams, three days. Yeah. It started on Friday and finished on Sunday, and it was just incredible. That's awesome. There's a, a couple of other great ones that are being thrown in here right now. Michael Watson, 95 Castle win to go to New York. Uh, Eric Fisher, the obvious end of the fourth quarter of the 99 West Virginia game. I've heard my dad talk about that way too many times and wish mm-hmm. I was alive for it. Um, let's see here. Yes. Wish I was alive for it. Mm-hmm. Where I was. I, I'm sorry. I was like four months old. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, let's see here. Uh, I, Eric Fisher, I don't think that anything can ever top the 99 Boston College game for me as his favorite moment that he loves the most. Hokey 94 CPA for me. It's either 1990 UVA 38 13 or Syracuse 99 62 nothing. Both of those games were absolutely amazing. 38 13 was rocking. That was fun. Um, And so, yeah. And then uh, Hokey Chip chimes in. uh, 1986 Peach Bowl. And so, yeah, those are a lot of great moments. I'll go for the people that are in college right now. How about that? I'll go ahead and say it. I think we, like Malcolm and I, we will talk about the North Carolina six overtime game for decades. Like when we are. You know, talking to our kids about it like that. For me, you know, I I try not to put my fandom hat on, but my parents were actually up for that week, and I got to watch that game with the three of them and just to experience that with them and just – I'll never by, the, by the way, three of them, you mean your two parents and your sister, yes, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, I, I, actually, I don't think my sister was there. It was just the huh. two of us uh, okay. or three of us. And uh, But anyway, it was um, – you know, the, the, the referee, you know, everyone's all quiet, going crazy in the field goal. Like, what's going to happen next with the overtime? Well, I mean, what I'll, I'll just never forget that. I I'll mean, never forget when the referee started, like, reading the rules. And it was so quiet. You could hear a pin drop in there. I'm serious. Because like, I had no idea there were new overtime rules once right. you get well, to a certain point. It's like you point, see I'm that like, rule come across, like, February. What? It's like, yeah, it's never going to happen to yeah. us. And it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. There was a Who change cares? in the overtime. Um, yes, yeah. I spent that day in Columbia, South Carolina, at my niece's wedding. And she's a Gamecock. She ought to know better. Um, well, let's um, – real quick, I don't know how many questions we do have, but I did get a tweet from – 
from RG on Twitter, and you are 100% right. I should have mentioned this earlier, and I'm glad you reminded me. Uh, we'll throw an eighth team into mention, and I, I do want to shout out Virginia Tech track and field because did you guys see what Ja'Cory Patterson did? I mean, just ridiculous, and I apologize. This is something that should have been brought up way earlier on the podcast, but he broke the 400-meter all-time ACC indoor record. He's broken a lot of records the last it's couple It's hard to years. keep track it's of hard, him. It's hard to keep track of Corey's <laughs> records. That, that is just ridiculous. He set a new school record in the 4 by 400 meter relay, too. Um, I, it's unbelievable. I mean, he might go down as one. We think about, like, best athletes in Oh, Virginia he's Tech definitely history. one of the best athletes in It's history, incredible. No question. Is he a sophomore? I think he's a junior. Let me see. Corey Patterson. Let me click on his profile. I think you're right. I think he's a junior by yeah. now. Uh, mm-hmm. He is a junior. He is from yeah. Columbia, South Carolina. From Columbia. So, so this uh, this record that he set was it in Blacksburg? It was at the Tiger Paw Invite, I believe. That is Clemson. Probably Clemson. It's interesting because Tech has a really nice indoor track now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was uh, that was that was impressive. So, yeah, eight sports and congratulations to Patterson. I mean, I feel like it's just every time you you hear news, it's him breaking some new record. Right. Um, so I'm sure he'll probably be a, a first ballot Virginia Tech Hall of Famer when his uh, he should be when his time yeah, comes yeah, right. No I mean, yeah. Yeah. You think about that right now, like the athletes that are currently here at Virginia Tech, who would be like a first ballot Hall of Famer to Virginia Tech? Well, you, you know, like, the th- there are three actually off the top of my like head right now: Mackay Patterson, Rashard, Mackay Lewis. Those are those are three yes. that would be first ballot. Yeah, the current track that Keely Rashard's on, she'd she'd be first ballot. Um, that's interesting. That would that would make for a good article. I think I think that would be a fun podcast. If we talk about the offseason, we have more time. We could talk about the, the those who should be next in the Hall of Fame. You know, so. and you know, we can, I can th- talk about Jim Cavanaugh some more. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> there is a uh, you know, um, to, depending upon what Hunter Boland does in the NCAA's, mm-hmm. you know, if he winds up being a national champion, he champion he could wind up. If you if you won an, an individual national championship, yes, you should yes, be you in better the Hall be. of Fame. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to get to the point where we win so many national championships that it's no longer... You have like, to actually argue about yeah. it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hey, we do have two questions. And I, that segment I knew was going to take up a lot of our question segment. But two questions I want to get to. The first one, uh, great name, Shay Francisco. Does Burmeister's lack of arm strength concern anyone else? The kid looked good running the offense last year. But he doesn't look like he has any zip on deep passes. What do you oh, say? I mean, I that? would say that's accurate. Yeah, I mean, he's not. He's never going to throw like a great deep ball or anything like that. Um, fact of the matter is, you know, we had three quarterbacks this past year that had won Power Five games, and none of them were perfect. Like uh, Hooker was never big enough to take the beating required, and and he just wasn't an advanced passer. He had a good enough arm, but he wasn't just he wasn't a good passer. Um, and then Quincy just came from a background where there were absolutely no advanced passing concepts taught at all. Um, so all those guys had weaknesses last year. And, yeah, I guess that's probably Burmeister's is he doesn't have a dynamic arm. Um, but there's nobody else on the team that, yeah. that doesn't have at least one major weakness either. Well, so. and, and Tech doesn't have a guy who can stretch the defense anyway unless Jaden Pay comes back and, and – Right, and right. That, and that turned out to be true, that he can beat press coverage and get down the field. Right, um, which I think it probably is. Uh, if you want Jaden Pay to make a big play, it's going to be more likely to come from a, uh, you know, if they put him in the slot, maybe a wheel route or he slips a tackle on a post or something like that. Uh, I don't 
because right now, you know, even if he was the our Andre Davis of this year, we don't have the Michael Vick to throw him the ball. Yeah, because you, you got to wait for the guy to clear coverage, and by, and by that time he's 20, 25, 30 yards downfield, mm-hmm. and the ball's going to be in the air a while. Right. So you got to be able to throw it fifty or sixty yards. Final question from Billy Parvidum. <clears throat> Excuse me. Do you guys think that men's college basketball should adopt the quarter system like the women? Is there anything the men can do to maintain a nice pace to the game, or are you satisfied with how the game currently is? Uh, it doesn't doesn't matter to me either way. Um, how do how do commercial breaks work in uh, women's? Five minutes and quarter breaks. Yep, that's it. There's just one media timeout that's under five every so quarter. So you actually in women's basketball have a break at, you know, if, if you take the half as an entirety, you have a break at 15 minutes, 10 minutes, and 5 minutes, whereas in men's basketball, that's 16, 12. So it's still the same four. amount of – No, it's actually one less. It's one fewer. Yeah. It's one fewer. So that's an argument but, for having quarters. Yeah, and that's why it'll never happen. There's one fewer commercial break for ACC Well, they just, they just make them longer. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd actually have, rather have more short ones maybe. I don't know. But – well, they need to, they, they need does. to do like NASCAR does and soccer does and run ads next to the action. It, it, it never ceases to amaze me that like soccer is the biggest sport in the world and the Premier League TV contract is worth billions, and they don't even have commercials. Yeah, it, like, except for during halftime and stuff, right? So yes, it can be done. It certainly can be done. It's just bullheadedness, legacy. It, it you know, is. It pe- absolutely is. Obstinate. Yeah. Uh, real quick, TK Cali just writes in, so will there be an ACC tournament or will they just play a couple postponed games instead? No, there there will be an ACC tournament. Um, that that, it, that will happen. Seems um, like it. They have, that, I mean, it's on the books. Uh, I, don't, I you, don't believe at this point those postponed games will be made up. No, Is that fair I, I to say? I, 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 whatever ones are going to be made up have are probably already been announced. Probably already but, been I mean, I just, I just don't see – Unless you start playing four games in a week, I don't see how yeah, they, it's possible. They're, they're not going to make them. It doesn't appear they're going to make teams play. Well, Virginia in Virginia Tech's case, they're playing two games a week. I know some schools are playing three games a week. Georgia, but, Georgia Tech, I think, has had a stretch recently. Where three they, in like five or six days. They're in the middle of a big stretch where yeah. they're, they're playing a lot. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would think if there wasn't going to be an ACC tournament, you would have heard about it by now. Yep. Yep. So everything's on. So – what a great show. What a great show. You know, there's a lot going on in uh, Virginia Tech Athletics, and, and that's what we do is break it all down. For uh, We have 20 likes on our video right now. If you're watching live on YouTube, that's not enough. Please give us a thumbs up and like and subscribe and hit the notification button as well. Hit the bell. Hit the bell. So, all right, well, that'll wrap it up here on this uh, gloomy day in Blacksburg, but a great show nonetheless. Chris Coleman, what's coming up on TechSideline.com this week? Yeah, I've got to check my calendar because I'm pretty sure basketball getting stopped again or is through a wrench into things. But I know I have a Brandon Patterson article today. Um, uh, I've talked to Corey Van Dyke about doing a baseball preview. Right. Yeah, so and we've got, of course, softball, softball recap and preview. We'll come up with plenty of stuff. And we'll do Don't some worry. other stuff. Yeah. So, um, all right. Yeah, kind of. Uh, so no wrestling this week. Maybe no men's basketball this week. No women's basketball till Sunday. So you've got softball uh, with a big weekend coming up. You've got lacrosse in the big one to JMU on Wednesday, and then um, and baseball this weekend. So it's that, kind that, of that's kind wild. Of, that, so lacrosse is not only going to be on the ACC network against JMU, but they're going to be on again Sunday afternoon against Duke. Yep, 
Yep, so this is a big week for lacrosse. And I tell you what, if they if they knock off JMU, that would that would be a big deal for the program. Okay. So former national uh, championship winner, JMU. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, be sure to follow Tech Sideline on Twitter at Tech Sidelines Our Home. Will's on Twitter at Will Stewart TSL. Chris is on Twitter at Chris Coleman TSL. And be sure to check out all of our great work at TechSideline.com. All right, gentlemen, any closing thoughts? None whatsoever. I don't think so, no. Everybody enjoy your week. Thanks so much for watching. That'll do it. Episode 167 of the Tech Sideline podcast for our managing editor, Chris Coleman, our founder and general manager, Will Stewart, the best podcast producer in the land, Malcolm Stewart. I'm your podcast host, Evan Hughes, saying so long. Thanks so much for watching and listening. Episode 167 of the Tech Sideline podcast brought to you by the Southeast Regional Training Center, Anytime Fitness, and Campus Emporium. Have a great week, Hokies.